Hello and welcome to The Raptor Show. I'm your host, William Liu. Um, joined on the program once again by producer and co-host Alex Wong. We have an interview in the second half with uh, Clement Chu to discuss the upcoming CCYA Celebrity Classic and also play a legendary edition of the Bassa Reference game. It truly is a nostalgic one. We went uh, through some, what, inaugural pioneers, Raptor pioneers, essentially, players who had played uh with the inaugural season in 95 and um yeah i don't want to spoil anything but damn uh, i think clem put me and alex both to shame on the bass reference game so yeah before we get to that though alex what's going on man what's what's been happening in raptors land uh what's happening in raptors land what's up uh delano banton signed a two-year contract with the boston celtics yesterday i know there was reports when free agency started on friday that he had met with the celtics um yeah, thoughts on the Raptors losing Delano Banton after two years in, in the system? Yeah, I mean, well, okay, I think a couple of things. I think number one, like, um, it sucks to see him lo- to, to go just in general. I think that uh, it's clear that there was a the talented player in there. Anybody who has seen him, you know, in the G League level, um, especially last season, was just could really only come away pretty impressed by uh the combination of tools and you know he, he's had some moments i think in the pros even at times he's been the backup point guard um and he's had some moments i would say inconsistency was definitely a, an issue in terms of you know with his performance but uh, you could say that for a lot of young guys um and it just felt like even though the raptors didn't choose to give him a qualifying option and therefore make him a restricted free agent um that he would still stay in Toronto or that Toronto will continue this relationship. I think in hindsight, it seemed like Toronto was kind of just like, maybe we want to go a different direction with the backup point guard. Um, you know, Malachi's option was picked up what last, or definitely not during the offseason. It was during the season or maybe even coming into the season. And so Malachi was, was always sort of in the mix. And, you know, I mean, look, listen, that's one of the advantages being drafted in the first round versus second round. You, you got a standard, you know, rookie contract, which is four years um, if you picked up all the options. And so, you know, um, the, you know, Malachi was going to be involved in the mix. Jeff Downton seems like he's going to be a- around. Obviously, you know how hard Jeff Downton's been working in the building. I don't oh, know him, him and returning coach Jim Sandman. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely, man. This guy was putting in work. Unfortunately, it was just announced today that Jeff Downton Jr. will not take place in summer league. Um, I think he has some sort of minor injury that he's been managing. And so... Um, you know, he will still be in Vegas for festivities, but he himself will not be playing on on the summer league roster. So, um, but still, you figure he's going to be part of the team. And then you also have Dennis Schroeder, who's your backup point guard now. And you have Scotty, who you're essentially hoping to, to, to have stick as your starting point guard and sort of really go all in on this Vision 6-9 idea. So when you have those factors ahead of you plus you have marcus noel who um was signed officially to the two-way uh and he will be playing on the summer league roster he's probably the guy i'm most looking forward to seeing um on that roster along with grady dick but you have that much depth at that position i just thought that it would have been difficult for delano to sort of beat out some of those guys now of course delano i think has enough size to, to play a little bit off the ball as well but that will require his shooting to be at a higher level or him cutting at a higher level and i think that well, number one, um, I think his shooting has improved, um, even just given the time that he's been with the Raptors. I remember like walking into the building for the home opener 
uh, I guess two seasons ago now against Washington in 2021. And I was watching Scotty and Delano warm up and, and they were doing this drill where they would just go around the, the world, the, the two of them together around all the spots on the three point line. And they would just each take two, one catch and shoot three, like moving into it. And then the second one stand still catch and shoot from that same spot. And just watching those two guys go through the drills, I was like, man, this is going to be a long season. Like, these guys both are really, really struggling with this fairly rudimentary drill. That, like, I honestly, like, even when I play pickup on Tuesdays, I will do the same drill. Um, and and they were really struggling with, with getting these shots to fall in. And I think that was the profile for both players, I think, coming into uh, their rookie seasons. But, no, I think even just watching Delano over the course of just that kind of setting, a warm-up setting, exact same thing a year later, was much better at it, was was much more consistent with the shot. Now, of course, he didn't really play enough to show that. And maybe he didn't do enough in practice to to showcase a reason why he should be in the rotation more often. But, you know, he, he came into the season with a lot of promise. I thought he played really well in preseason. Um, you know, he was one of the highlights as I was watching that from um, my vacation at that time, which was just still truly sickle behavior to watch preseason basketball from vacation mm-hmm. um, in the middle of the night, I might add to because of the time difference. And uh, Delano was one of those reasons. I was like, this is why I'm staying up till 2 a.m. To, to, to see Delano. He was balling out. And then he went from that to the backup point guard uh, to start the season. And he had some good moments, I would say. I think that Detroit game where he had 27 was definitely a standout. Um, but he's also had standout moments in the G League. That there's games where he'll score like 15, 16 points in a quarter in the G League and, and really take it end to end and really hit some pull up jumpers too. Um, and so I just thought there was momentum behind him as a prospect. But I'm not really sure what happened with him this year because he didn't really get back into the mix after that injury uh, following that Detroit game. And, you know, he really hasn't really been able to stick. Even when he's gone down to the G League level, he's played at a lower level this year as compared to last year. So I can see from a Raptors perspective, it's like, okay, well, you know. I mean, with all these second round guys, and it's going to happen to Christian as well, who I also really like, if you don't show them something in the first year, and if you don't like say, here you are, here I am, this is what I do. And, um, you know, this is why I have a case to be on the floor. But regardless, my work ethic is impeccable. I have this one specialty skill. There's another couple of things that I might be able to add into my game, but that one thing will keep me on the floor. Uh, if you don't show that in a short amount of time, like realistically teams move on. And so, I mean, I think from that perspective, like it's not too surprising. It's not like Delano was giving you anything that affected on court performance. You could say that you didn't play him. That's fine. But you know, a lot of times he would play, he wouldn't really do anything. Or there's that game. I remember against the Houston Rockets where he came into the game and turned the ball over twice and committed a foul for an and one. And it was just like, was like, what was happening? Like the focus, and attentiveness seemed to even be waning at times. So from that perspective, I do understand the Raptors moving on. It's not some sort of like um, big um, conspiracy or, or big deal even necessarily because you always bring in new prospects and you give them a chance for a year. And then realistically, that's what you have. You know what I mean? Like even if you're drafted in the second round, even if you got the whole welcome party that Scotty got when he came to Toronto, like you only have so much time. And I think that, you know, you compare that, for example, to a guy like in the first round, Malachi has shown more over the course of his career, probably in a more limited setting or in t- even just in Tampa. That stretch alone was more than what Delano ever got um, or, or, or what he ever showed. But um, there is still a big difference. But even for those young guys who picked in the first round, like, even, like you know, I think it's a sober reminder even for those guys. It's like even if you're a Grady Dick, even if you're a Malachi Flynn, even if you're, you know, Precious, for example, you only got like two or three years at best right at best you show something really really undeniable in those two to three years or teams move on from you and then you have another chance with the team and this is what delano's getting right now with boston 
probably is going to be a one-year deal, probably partial guarantee, maybe a team option for the second one, where essentially you have no actual guarantee permanence to your contract. And you're just hoping like all hell that you can really catch on. You can really dominate in summer league. You can really dominate in preseason. You can really dominate in the G League. And Delano, for his credit, has done all three pretty well. But when you get to that moment, what are you going to do to showcase to your coach that you can be part of a rotation, you can affect winning at the NBA level, and that you deserve a second contract? And this is a second contract, but realistically, it's not, right? It's like most likely the Celtics have all the control in the scenario. And what can you do? And I look at a guy like Jeff Down, for example, who's much older than Delano. But Jeff Down came to Toronto, the two-way deal. And right away, it was like, you know what? Put outside all, everything else. This guy's not going to turn the ball over, and he's going to defend like all hell. And offensively, he's going to make the next pass. Probably a little too unselfish for, you know, for a guard. You do need your guard to create offense. But realistically, I could pinpoint exactly, and Nick Nurse could pinpoint exactly, and I'm sure the next coach can pinpoint exactly, I can play Jeff Down for this reason. And it might just be as simple as you come in and you're really a dogged defender like Jeff was. But, um, yeah, I think for Delano, he's got to find what that one trade is because the talent is there, the potential is there. But um, I guess, you know, the Raptors have chosen to, to instead of looking more at Delano, give him another chance in a very crowded field, they've now taken a chance to look at, you know, two or three more Raptors prospects at the same position. So it's unfortunate, but I'll miss Delano, man. His story is really, uh, I, again, I, he's the only Raptor player who I've taken the same bus with. Uh, the 45 Kipling is truly a nightmare, and somehow um, it has gone a lot of positive propaganda just based on Delano and his number, but uh, it's not a fun bus to ride for anybody who just romanticizes the TTC um, in general. Yeah, I wouldn't know about that. Um, no, I think... Yeah. Um... No, I, I think those are really good points just in terms of like this is pretty standard, like you mentioned, for, for a second rounder to, to you know, be with the team for two years and, and, and then, you know, not showing enough to the point where, where the team's going to move on. And I think, too, it's like, you know, you talk about, you know, the positives that like, you know, a Jeff Down Jr. might be able to bring to the table or even people who are still optimistic about about Malachi, like, you know, whether it's developing another point guard or maybe they'll be able to acquire some someone in a trade like you know this is absolutely like the huge concern now for this roster right like like they need to figure out you know whether it's just heading into next year or you know over the next couple of years like you know the point guard position is really thin for this team right now and like even if you're looking at these backup guys it's like how high are the ceilings of these guys right like like all jokes aside to my guy jeff down jr it's like it'd be good to to have a rotation guy but there's really nobody on the roster that you can look at right now. And, you know, aside from, you know, having the conversation about Scotty at point guard of like, you know, someone that could be a starting caliber point guard on this team, the Raptors just don't have one. Yeah. No, I mean, that's look, listen, I think the reality of the situation is also that the Raptors have had two years where it's like, who can even be the backup point guard? It's a big Mm -hmm. issue. And you could say, well, Nick didn't develop the guys. I mean, not just you could say, like, I think Masai has even said, like, hey, these guys got to play more. In fact, it's a little curious that he was like, Delano needs to play more. Malachi needs to get an opportunity. He said that at the trade deadline. He said that after the season as well. So why, after a few months of not playing any basketball, did you choose to let go of him, even though you could have had full control over him in terms of getting his uh, qualifying out there and and the restricted um, rights? Because, again, like, the Raptors now are in a position where they actually have – I mean, maybe you couldn't have foreseen this in in the sense that uh, Fred leaving has created a lot more financial flexibility. You're not worried so much about it. Like even with all these contracts signed and you use your, you use the Bay, you use the MLE, you know, and you still have $6 million under the tax where you could still retain Delano, who I think would have gone for like 1.9, 
at the qualifying offer, and he probably would have taken it. Let's be honest; it's not like Boston was coming in with more than the minimum. Um, like you could have chosen to hold on to him, but you let him go. But also at the same time, like we've had two seasons where you can't ask for a better opportunity than coming to Toronto and playing back a point guard. Like that was one of the biggest weaknesses out of any roster in the league was backup point guard. And in, in those kind of conditions, if you couldn't really take over and establish yourself firmly as like, hey, I'm here, I'm the guy to do this, then I think that does kind of speak a little bit to, you know, a, a chance missed, right? You can't really ask for a better opportunity than that. Then, you know what I mean? Like, Jeff yeah, Downs sure, came man. in and took it. No, it got so dire that the Will Raptors... Barton took it. No, you know that's what, what I'm like... saying. It got so dire that the Raptors had to had to sign Will Barton yeah. to, to just fill out some minutes there. So, um, yeah, Delano's gone. And also the Raptors officially announced their coaching staff. I know we've been hearing bits and pieces about, um, you know, the assistant coaches that, that the Raptors have picked up. So joining our guy Darko Ryakovich will be Pat Delaney. Uh, Jama Malalela is returning. James Wade recently left his head coaching job um, with the Chicago Sky and the WNBA. Um, our guy Jim San is returning for his eighth season. And then the rest of the coaching staff, Mike Batiste, Vin Bav- Bavnani, Drew Jones, and Ivo Simovich will also be part of the coaching staff. So there yeah. you go. New coaching staff. Lots of guys coming from player development backgrounds. Um, obviously, um, I know a lot of Raptors fans are familiar with JAMA. And yeah, there's your brand new coaching staff. By the way, did you see Nick Nurse wearing a Sixers polo yesterday at, oh, yeah, at Summer yeah. League? Yeah, I, I like that Nick Nurse, even though he's an established NBA coach now, is still taking the chance to coach Summer League. I actually this is really why, this is why he's Nick, too man. busy to, to, to be part of Team Canada, you know? Honestly... Well, I don't know if that's true because that that, <laughs> no, that but, it's not but like now the he has overlapping. but now he has to show up to every Sixers thing, whether it's summer league or charity event, to make sure that that is true. Yeah, but I mean, it's not like he's in the Toronto market anymore. He's not going to catch any heat for 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 ditching Team Canada in Philadelphia, man. They don't care. Um, but I mean, yeah, I, I respect Nick for doing that because I actually thought there was a small chance that like, hey, um, Darko hasn't been in a head coaching position since he was uh, head coach of the Tulsa 66ers back in 2012 with the Ron Lamb. Um, you know what I mean? This guy was ordering the Ron Lamb. Uh, Tulsa to go. So, 66ers, man. Tulsa please, 66ers. That's please, correct. Yeah. I know. Please rebrand. I know. Um, so that was like over a decade ago. So I think it would have been cool for him to coach the head, uh, be the head coach in summer league. He's done that a couple of times as well. I don't want to sort of discount that, but um, yeah, it, it was actually announced today that it's actually going to be Pat Delaney who's going to be coaching uh, as the head coach uh, for the Raptors in summer league. Again, no, uh, no Jeff Downton Jr. for for that roster. No Christian Coloco for that roster too. Apparently, he's dealing with a respiratory infection. Mm. So. Um, yeah, that's. I hope he's going to be okay because that 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 sounds like it sucks, especially if it's going to delay you for the upcoming two weeks. Because um, he would have been a guy I would have loved to see uh, develop more in, in this kind of playing time. I mean, we saw even Christian Coloco get some time in the nine oh five, and he looked okay at times, right? Like th- there were certainly times where I was like, "Oh, this he's getting owned by Luka Samaric or he's getting like it, it, it'll be like we've gone a whole quarter and, and we've gone a whole half with with christian local local not making a single bucket and yes he affects shots there's no doubt defensively but you want to see development at, at the development league and you want to see guys go down there and take their opportunities on offense 
and you haven't really seen them when he goes down there with the G League. Now, of course, I wouldn't say the G League was that great for development probably in general last year just because um, maybe there wasn't a, a great consistent point guard play. It just didn't really seem like, um, I don't know, it was just a lot of flux. But regardless, I would have loved to see him in the Summer League setting, which last year in Summer League, and one of the other reasons I was watching it, uh, again, on vacation, was like I wanted to see what Christian looked like in that setting. And there was a lot of fouling, which happens a lot with rookie bigs. Let's be honest, he's smaller as well in terms of the size. And so he's going to struggle to hold the position at times. But I thought Christian had some really good moments in Summer League last year, and I would have really liked to see him happen or replicate and build upon that this year in Summer League. So for him not to play, I think, is a real missed opportunity. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the rest of the coaching staff is going to be there. Um, I'm going to be there, so I'm hoping to get to know some of these guys. I feel like James Wade, um, who was uh, the former head coach, GM, pretty much everything decision-making for the Chicago Sky, it's a little confusing as to sort of what happened there. I'm curious to sort of hear his side of the story because, um, well, he did say it was one of the hardest decisions of his life, but, you know, he was part of the – I mean, he's basically like the everything right now for – in terms of leadership-wise for – um the chicago sky and he kind of just left the season like very abrupt you know what i mean like the WNBA season would have wrapped up before the raptors start training camp so he could have theoretically finished out his position and then come back to toronto who knows if that was the opportunity offered to him maybe dark was like hey you either take this now or you, you can't you know but um i know i know for a lot of chicago sky players are very shocked about um, his departure for me i'm also curious in terms of can we always say james wade's name like we're um Oh, who was it? There was Mike Tirico. Can we always say it like Mike Tirico? You know what I mean? In, yeah, in the prime yeah. like ESPN uh, Miami Heatles days, because we should say his name like James Wade. Like, how you know often what I mean? are we introducing? How often are we introducing James Wade in these scenarios? No, but I just mean like in casual conversations, we shouldn't just say James Wade. We should oh, say okay. James Wade. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure. Shout out sure. to Mike Tirico, man. Yeah. What's he doing these days? Yeah, I got you, man. Um, I don't know. Isn't he still at ESPN doing football? Oh, we're. Yeah, I don't watch any football. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thunder and lightning days, man. Um, uh huh. Yeah, yeah. Thunder and lightning days. But yeah, no. Um, that's um, play by play for NBC Sunday Night Football. Got you. Got oh you. yeah, NBC. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah NBC Sunday Night Football. I think I've heard about that once in a while. Oh, he replaced Al Michaels. Wow, oh, cool. Man, this banter, man. Summer's here, baby. That's um, not a wrestler. All right. Um. Yeah. So that's the coaching staff. That's really that's it coaching. for. I mean, I think the Raptors the, news. Well, that's really for tangible Raptors news. I think, um, what was I going to say? Oh, Blake, I, th- I saw Blake make, right, um, make this uh, point on Raptors Twitter, which I think, um, you know, he talked about how Delano, him leaving is sort of a bad reflection of the team in terms of um, player development and sort of what they've been able to do with player development. And I, and I understand his point. It's not like, okay, you haven't developed Delano, therefore your developmental staff sucks. It's sort of just like you have put a lot of investment into this player who you've drafted invested a draft pick into you got Bobby Webster saying on a zoom call to us, um, you know, shout out to Rexdale, uh, which is, you know, kind of amazing. I never thought Bobby would be talking about Rexdale. So that's always very cool, but you, you've drafted, you've invested a draft pick into him. The other draft pick that the Raptors took, I think the next pick was David Johnson. He's been with the 905, but he didn't really do anything with the Raptors in the season. He was here officially on the roster. And then even last year, the 905, he came off the bench a lot of the time. So maybe he showed some, growth and progress but realistically i didn't think he has as a real chance for him to sort of continue with the program um like we have invested two years into delano and i do think that yeah it, it is kind of a reflection in the sense of like if the whole thing is you bring players here and you really get them to grow and develop and you have a certain type of player you really can grow and develop and, and foster like 
Delano was that kind of guy and and whatever maybe some of it is just on the player itself I mean you could say all this player development stuff and the Raptors are good at player development what does that even mean you, you practice basketball you know what I mean like is there special techniques are you using is there a coach there that really has all these um you know not just a way of motivating you but a way of teaching you specific craft like what does player development actually mean in that sense what does Toronto being good at player development mean um is there opportunities for you to play is there sort of like you know staff runs that are really good that that really sharpen up your skills because we've seen all these guys play against the team staff before as well um that's typically what happens when you're on the end of the roster is that you have like the bottom the third stringers will play against like you know jamal mcglore and um some of these other guys dean james wade you know um so you know it's I, I don't really know. I don't even know really what player development like specifically means in the aggregate, but I just know that the Raptors have had an, a knack for finding guys to come into Toronto, maybe where their profile wasn't that great. And so many guys were able to sort of turn it into a, a career with the Raptors or even career elsewhere. And I, I do wonder like, you know, there's been so much focus on player development and we'll see what Darko's approach towards it is, but I don't think it's a magic formula. I think at the end of the day, the biggest, biggest, biggest ingredient is how hard and how much and how dedicated is that player or that prospect willing to put into this whole thing. And I think that, you know, we can always blame external factors Uh, and I'm not here to speculate. I don't know Delano personally. I haven't seen him work behind the scenes that much um, in terms of like, I'm intimately familiar with it. But I think to me, it's also like if a player doesn't develop, it's a lot of the times it's on the player itself right like you know what kind of work is put into it like what kind of dedication is put into it because you know the raptors i'm sure they offer you every opportunity like we've had times where you know i don't know for some one reason or another i i gotta go to ovo at like 10 p.m or something and and just be part of the court but it'd be like no the court shut down because like chris boucher just got and this is like the dead of summertime it'd be like august mid-august right nobody's even around supposedly but uh, you know and i'm trying to do something at ovo at like 10 p.m um, on a Friday night and it'd be like, no, you can't, you can't be in there. Cause Chris Boucher's in there. He's working out. And it's like, that's dedication. You know what I mean? Like, that's like one of those things where it's like, I understand why Chris, with, if, if, if you're working in the middle of August in Toronto at five at 10 PM on a Friday night, I respect that. Right. And like, I can see how that dedication will translate over. So I think that's also partly on the player as well. And again, that's not me making an inference on how hard Milano has worked as a player. Again, I'm not familiar with him. I don't, I would be outside of, a couple of zoom calls and um, interviews once, once, once in a while here or there, I don't really know his process, but um, that is a big part of it. And I think that we're, we can always sort of like say play to develop because of the team, because of the teammates, because of the coach, because of whatever, because of opportunities, because of injuries. Like a lot of times it's also just on him themselves. Like that's the biggest determinant more than anything else. So um, again, I'm not trying to point the finger. I saw some people speculate in terms of like, okay, you know, being in Toronto might have some distractions. Of course, that's normal, right? But I mean, realistically, you can have distractions and play still play while at home. We've seen lots of players do that. Um, so I don't even want to get into all that kind of stuff because, again, I wasn't there for it. But um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it is still I on think, the player itself, right? Yeah, I think part of it is on the player. But I mean, you know, when people are upset about the player development you know of, of the team like part of that is on the scouting and bringing in the right players etc right like we always talk about a team like memphis you know you look at the back end of their roster and all the guys that they've been able to to kind of bring in you look at like desmond bain who you know who's turning turned himself into like a max player and i think the frustration from from everybody like it doesn't even have to be a delano specific thing is like you know the raptors just haven't developed anybody in like the last like two three years like i can't think of a single like 
story of you know like even some of the guys that still are here like maybe a christian coloco you know obviously still early in his career can take a step you know we we know precious had a down year last year too but you know like you go down the list like i don't even know the last time the raptors had a good story of bringing some someone in whether it was like a fringe free agent or you know undrafted player or someone in the draft um Mm -hmm. who you can really point at as like a success right so i think that's that's really i think utah probably was one of those guys yeah, but, but then where is on. he now? He's not here now, right? Yeah. Like, so I think that's I think that's the difficult part, is like you know the Raptors pride themselves and continue to pride themselves on player development, but you know you look at their track record, like you know post Tampa, like it's it's really thin, and and I think that's where like all the frustration is coming from. Well, I mean, clearly they know they had an issue with that because they brought in this head coach and also his whole staff is essentially built towards player development. Like that's what Jama was good at here in toronto or that's what he started out here in toronto and kind of coaching the 905 and went to golden state and had more responsibilities as an assistant coach beyond just player development but like you know that's what they were always good at and i thought the organization was always really good at developing people in general too like i mean not even just like you know it's like a sign of a healthy organization is like everybody grows not just the players mm-hmm. the players are the most forward-facing part of it but like everybody grows like we had coaches grow like you know like Patrick Matumbo for example was here in Toronto and then you know really grew in his position and then he's been able to go elsewhere and be an assistant coach and launch his career in coaching um you know John has done the same thing we've, we've seen you know a couple other guys that have really taken that program going elsewhere like you know Jerry Stackhouse started his career here in Toronto and really sort of parlayed that into a really successful spot now at Vanderbilt heading up that program I believe still although I'm not really that tapped into best college basketball um you know, so like, yeah, I mean, even th- in, in terms of that, or even like the Raptors bring in head coaches who went on to be head coaches elsewhere, you know, like, you know, for example, Dwayne Casey uh, left Toronto, obviously a coach of the year and then got a job with the Detroit Pistons and held on to it for quite a long time, five years. That's pretty damn good for a coach anywhere. Um, you know, Nate Bjorgren, I guess, got another job, but uh, let's just not say how well he did at that job. <laughs> yeah, this guy's, this guy's LinkedIn profile is on private, man. Like, what's going on, man? Yeah, that's, that's dark. That's dark. Um, um, yeah, no, and, uh, I, I think... Finch, so, yeah, I mean... Yeah, it'll, it'll yeah. be interesting to see what this new era can do, right? Like, what this new group, you know, in terms of, in terms of you know, head coaches and stuff. I just, you know, I get the emphasis on player development. I think that's good, but, you know, part of me always wonders, too, like, when you hear about all the talk about... You know, Raptors potentially overvaluing their own players in the trade market or, you know, how they look at their own players. It's like, you know, sometimes when you look at a Malachi Flynn or look at these players on the roster, it's like, you know, is bringing in a new head, you know, bringing in new coaches, all of this stuff really going to change or is the talent of the roster just just is what it is. Right. So I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, no, that's fair. But I may also think that like the Raptors, the talent of the roster was what it was even back. Cause that's the thing that's confusing to me, like we've seen the Raptors have more successful seasons with, I would argue, lesser talent than even compared to last year. Like, the Raptors last year were arguably more talented than, like, some of the years in, like, 2014. Like, you can, you can compare last year's roster to 2014, um, where the Raptors had um, their rotation. And we can go across the board about that, right? I mean, like, obviously, Kyle, right? DeMar, Terrence, um, Amir, JV coming off the bench. We had uh, Gravis. Um, I don't know why I'm writing this down. Patrick Patterson. Uh, who else could come off the bench? Um, was Hansbro that year? Yeah, I think Hansbro was, yeah, was, was a was secret that year. weapon. 
Yeah. Hansboro. You know, maybe let's say we can like Chuck Hayes. Yeah. No, I hear you, man. I think you know. I, I think uh, if you if washed you, if up you John Salmons. No, if you if you do that comparison, like you know, and then that's why last season was so frustrating. Like the Raptors yeah. underachieved, right? And it's like when when you're a, when you're an organization that's not a big player in free agency, and you're banking on this all this internal development, essentially like you you try to position yourself as a team that kind of just overachieves based on like the guys that you have. You're able to develop surprises on the roster and stuff, and then the Raptors just had none of that. So. Yeah, I don't know. That's that's. I feel like that's another big question heading heading into yeah. heading into next season, especially since the organization themselves, like you said, have placed such a huge emphasis right. on you know being a player development organization. So, yeah, and I think that's that's where like you just got to make it work from the top down because again, the talent is not that different. Like you could look at it. Okay, 2013, 14 Kyle Lowry versus Fred VanVleet. I think Fred was a better player than, than Kyle was in that year. Now, I would say Kyle had a better season than Fred was, but in terms of just quality of player at that specific time in their careers, I would okay, you know what? I would even call that equivalent. But again, we're not talking about like prime Kyle Lowry. We're talking about like breakout season Kyle Lowry, 13, 14. If you want to say Kyle was slightly better than Fred, I, I wouldn't push back against it. But I'm not, I, and I'm not saying Kyle was, or Fred was as good as Kyle just in general, but I'm saying in terms of like their actual talent and abilities at 2023 20, Fred versus. 2013 Kyle I think it's fairly equivalent I think Pascal is better than DeMar um much better than DeMar at that time right OG is much better than Terrence Ross at that time Scotty is much better than Amir Johnson at that time Jakob Pertl is much better than JV at that time especially defensively JV was better offensively better finisher but yeah I I, I think it's to me Jakob is a better player um it's not too much of that the Raptors didn't have a backup point guard this past season so Gravis is better than whoever, like, I don't know, Malachi or Delano or Will Barton. So let's give him that. But Chris Boucher versus Patrick Patterson, probably equal, I would say. Um, they're very different players, even though they play the same position. But I would say on, on the whole, they probably both affected the games positively. Maybe Patrick Patterson did so at a lesser scale, but more consistently. And Chris did, did, did so more inconsistently, but at a bigger magnitude. But let's say they're roughly equal, let's say. Precious versus Tyler Hansborough. I mean, as much as we can say Precious didn't have a great year, he's definitely much better than Tyler Hansborough. So we're looking at it like if you just go through that eight man rotation, the the that 2013 team, which won 48 games, has one position that's stronger than the Raptors, which is the backup point guard. But the Raptors are tied at the same at the point guard position in the starting lineup and also as the first big off the bench with Chris and Patrick Patterson. Everything else, Pascal better than DeMar, OG better than Terrence, Scotty better than Amir, Yak better than JV, Precious better than Tyler Hansborough. Right, so why did the Raptors only win forty-one games this year? Right, so no, I, I do think that like whatever it is, whatever that magic potion is, whatever that team, and maybe you say the whole magic potion was Kyle. Honestly, at this point, I kind of believe that, but I have to believe it's more than one guy. Like I, I think there has to be other factors that go into this because there ain't no way that this team is much worse than the other team. Yeah, I don't even think you need to go back and compare. You just need to go back to two years ago, too, right? Sure. Like, yeah. You just go back to that team. Like they did win forty-eight games. Right. Yeah. And, and, you know, they, they, they made the playoffs and stuff, you know, obviously with Fred leaving um, the rosters is, 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 is different now. Um, and, you know, you know, several players, you know, Jakob coming in and stuff, but yeah, I mean, this is what the Raptors are betting on. Like everything that you're saying, right? Like, like the Raptors are, are betting on, you know, a coaching change, um, betting on this improvement, internal improvement to, to get them back. Um, I don't know if it's the most solid bet, you know, to be honest, I just look at the roster and I'm like, yeah, I don't know. Like, you know, the, you know, are they going to, you know, with more role definition, with Scotty taking a step, like, is that all enough for them to, to start feeling optimistic about this roster in the long term? Like, I really don't know. Mm-hmm. 
That's fair. It's a lot of questions. A lot of questions. Um, Lastly, I know we talked to Sean Hyken yesterday about Dame Lillard. And, you know, uh, most of the reporting that's coming out right now is that, you know, even though Dame doesn't have a no trade clause, he is, uh, as Barry Jackson in Miami reports, is that, quote, he is resolute and adamant that Miami is the only place that he wants to play. And, you know, there's several holdups in in the trades, you know, number one being uh, Portland is adamant that they don't want Tyler Hero. And I think Brooklyn (laughs) is trying to get in on some kind of three-way trade and, you know, the entire yeah. league is adamant that they do not want Ben Simmons. So it's just a lot of stuff going on right now that's preventing a Dame to Miami deal. Uh, most notably being Miami straight up in a, in a, you know, in a two team trade just cannot offer a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, th- I think there's an opportunity there. And I think even thinking back to the episode that we did yesterday where we had, Sean on the program from Portland and we have, um, you know, Grange on to talk about the Raptors side of things. It kind of feels like the Raptors have, well, three main options, let's say, right? I mean, realistically, they have other options, but like three main buckets of options. Number one is to sort of roll what the group has is. And I think that's probably the most um, likely option, quite frankly. I think you roll into the season, you have more opportunities now for Scotty to um, be point guard, and you kind of live and die on that idea and, you you know, really essentially force him to grow. But give him that opportunity, first and foremost. And, you know, we'll, you know whether that's skill work in the offseason, whether that's, you know, just him getting more chances to play and be more comfortable with it, whether that's the team getting more used to it, too. Because, I mean, let's be real. If you're the point guard, team's got to get really, really – the rest of the team has to really play off of you, right? That's fundamentally what a point guard is. Um like, you know, you, you know, we'll see if that works. We'll see what OG can do in terms of the more touches on that kind of stuff. Like, you know, I think, again, all the excuses are gone. Like, it's just they got to do it now, right? They got to show us that next level. If they come in and do the same thing, that's not going to be good enough for the Raptors to have even a 50, above 50% win record. Um, but they can roll forward with this group if they if they choose to, right? It's not run it back. It's just sort of roll it forward, I think, at this point. Um you can do that with, with Dennis in in the mix. I don't think there's a higher, there's not that high of an upside, but at the same time, like maybe there is a high upside in the sense that Scotty and OG blossom into this next level kind of player for them. And it's like, that'd be great. That would really f- launch the team forward. That's one option. The other option is you go all in right now, right? You do the unthinkable, you put Scotty in a trade, which I'm still not really willing to do, but realistically I can see the, the, the logic behind it. Put Scotty in the trade. You put probably look. It'll probably be Scotty, Gary, Otto, Thad. That probably that's probably enough salary to make it work. Um, I gotta have to look look it through the numbers. Maybe they throw in Chris Boucher as well, just to add more money to the deal. It'll definitely push you into luxury tax. I think kind of. There's no really way around that. But you do all that. You push that into a deal. You give it to Portland, and they give you Damian Lillard. And all of a sudden, if you can put out at least these four guys, but Dame at the point guard, OG as your three Pascal's your four Jakob as your five whoever's gonna play two it's not gonna be Grady Dick he's been signed so I mean I guess suppose they could trade him 30 days from now but they're not gonna do that um you know those four guys Dame OG Siakam Yak that's pretty damn good like and, and we know Dame likes to OG quite a bit Sean was reporting on that yesterday but I think it's fairly obvious based on how, how Portland's been moving you know, probably probably pretty amenable to playing with Pascal. I don't see why that couldn't really work. And then you have Damian Lillard, who just coming off a season where he averaged like how much did he average again? Like thirty points on 
hold on let me just read out damian lillard's stats because i feel like there's a couple of things that are maybe going into this um yeah damian averaged 32 points per game 7.3 assists and had uh, a true shooting percentage this past season. We got to the free throw line nine times a game, which is a career high. Um, also made more threes. Well, not not. Wow, did he make more threes last year than any other point in his career? Yes, he did. Four point two. That's the career high for him. He had a true shooting percentage last year of a sixty-five percent. All right, league average is like fifty-six at this point now. Keeps climbing up, but like we're talking about thirty-two points per game and seven assists. Whatever at, at like. 65 true shooting percentage that was a career high for him um like you take that version of that plus those other guys like you can field a very competitive team in the eastern conference right now and maybe you only have like a two to three year window maybe you're a little concerned about damian lillard's injury history i wouldn't really know why you would be by the way i mean not to say that an old guy can't get injured whatever but like he played 82 82 82 75 75 73 80 66 in the lock in the lockout shortened season so that's actually a full season that's basically 82 uh, 67, then 29 last year because he had the O'Donnell injury, and then 58 this year, and he got shut down due to tanking. So he was fully – he's this guy's been one of the Ironmen of the league outside of the one injury that he had recently that he literally had fixed, and then, you know, this was just tanking there forward. Like, I, I'm not so concerned about his health. I think that's that's one valid option to go to. Again, I'm, I'm not saying that – my deal breaker is just like, I don't know if I want to deal Scotty in that, right? But that's one valid option, and if the front office chose to go all in, that's one option. And who knows? Maybe Portland doesn't value Scotty like that. Or maybe if Portland gets a better deal elsewhere, maybe that doesn't even materialize. But there's an all-in push that you could do. Or you can go and like just like blow it all up kind of scenario and you trade Pascal to whoever is the team of the week that's interested right now. And there's obviously lots of teams interested. Atlanta's one of those, for example. Kobe Buff can just sign a rookie scale contract, so he can't be traded for 30 days. Um Maybe you move in that direction as well, and you really tear it down. You don't care about any results next year. You just want to see guys grow and develop. And if they win twenty games, then you you know somehow they jack ticket prices, but they're going to punk all the season ticket holders and doing that. Maybe they do that. Who knows? Maybe they do that. Right? Um, they get some young pieces back, and you move forward in that direction. Those are the three directions, really. You 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 roll it forward, which I, I still think is the most likely option that, that comes out of this. You go all in for Dame, or you trade Pascal and 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 completely tear it down. And I. I don't even think any of those three options are more valid than the other, but I think generally those are the options available to you. And I think it is kind of cool that you have this opportunity to like, maybe you intercept another disgruntled superstar who's on a long-term deal, who's a lot healthier than Kawhi or even Katie as compared to last year, for example, much, much healthier than Katie and, and Kawhi. Or you go this other direction where you, you, you push Pascal out the door. Yeah, no, I think, you know, last year, you know, I was really excited about the opportunity of getting KD. And, you know, it did seem like it did seem like, you know, if Scotty Barnes was on the table, that the Raptors really could have been the front runners there of of getting a deal done um in the offseason. Whereas now, I don't know, this Dame to Toronto thing, like, you know, first of all, I, I guess I guess it's true that like, you know, if Dame gets dealt somewhere that that is not Miami, like, you know, is he really gonna just not show up? Or just to be disgruntled, the fact that he's under a four-year contract. But, you know, I guess the steps of getting him to Toronto, number one, will require Toronto to, to make Scotty available. And then you also have to wonder, like, if it's a scenario where Portland is now going to just, you know, move him to somewhere that, you know, doesn't accommodate him. Like, you know, what other teams can can step up, right? Whether, I don't know, like Boston 
Utah, like all of these other teams, like is there a better offer out there than than what the Raptors are are throwing out there? Um, I, I think I think the different options that you mentioned too. I just I don't know about you, but it's like, do you want to go to the trade deadline next year with Pascal and OG heading to free agency and having to deal with that? Because like I just feel like either way, whether you know they get signed to extensions or only Pascal gets signed to extension or he's traded etc like i just don't do the raptors really want to go to the trade deadline next year with those two guys heading to free agency after all that they went through this year because again like they literally just went through this whole exercise yeah so to me it's like they need to answer those questions then it's like especially with pascal it's like either you make the trade or get the extension done i think og is a bit trickier so og is a bit trickier because you have limitations on how much you can extend him for but who knows? Maybe you 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 come into the t- to table and you offer them the max extension and say, "Hey, this is the most we can give you," and mm-hmm. it's going to pay you handsomely for four years. And you're going to put your player option at the end because that's what the Raptors do. Here's a player option in year four. We start you at like what twenty six million, and we move from there. You're going to make thirty million over the course of the uh, on uh, on this contract. Um, it's going to be not just your whole prime, but more you're entering into your prime, right? Like what OG's like twenty five. This year is gonna, this is gonna take you to twenty nine. You're still gonna have another long contract after that. Maybe you sign for the max at that point, but hey, what this contract is gonna pay you essentially thirty per year. And look, is it gonna be less than what you can get on the open market? Sure, but you guarantee yourself all this money. You guarantee that even if you come up with an injury this year, and OG has had some minor injuries, nothing nothing major outside of the ACL that he came into the league with, and he obviously recovered from that perfectly fine. But like, you insure yourself the whole time. You have a lot of respectability. This is the most money we can give you. You got a player option. You maybe opt out. You're you're in free agency again at 29. Um, and here it is. Do you want to sign? And we've got a bigger opportunity for you. You know, Fred's gone. You know, there's more shots available. You know, maybe that could be you, right? And some other assurances you toss into there. Obviously, there you get more commercial opportunities in Toronto um, than like most markets in in the NBA. Like that's been a point that's been made to me recently. Is like, you're you're a big you're a big deal when you're in the Raptors in, in Canada. Like you you get all the major corporations dealing with you. Like even think of OG for example, um, getting a Gillette commercial in the states. Who gets a Gillette commercial? Like what kind of what kind of level of athlete you got to be to be a Gillette commercial? You're competing with NFL players, competing with baseball players. You're competing with, um, I guess not hockey players, but you know, like there's a much bigger economy in the United States. In addition to the fact that that's just the athlete bag, there could be other bags that, you know, in terms of like celebrities and actors and stuff like that, influencers, like those kind of guys might get into this in that game in that space. In Toronto, you're competing with who? Like a couple of Blue Jays, maybe. You don't really see that many Blue Jays commercials, or, or maybe I'm not watching enough TV, but not you know, compete with a couple of Blue Jays. Um, you compete with some NHL players, which obviously there's a big market for that. But in terms of people who want to tap into um, basketball players, like obviously you're the only pretty ones that get to deal with it. And you get national campaigns in Canada. Now, of course, again, you, you get signed to the Gillette commercial in the States, probably won't get, uh, you probably got more money and more definitely more exposure. But realistically, like OG Ananobi, if he played in, you know, Sacramento for the max, this guy's not getting any commercials. You know what I mean? And so I think that's, that's a bit of a factor that you can come to the negotiating table with. Because again, being in Toronto is a kind of a niche market. Like Fred got like five, six different endorsements, man. Fred going to Houston, he's going to be the same player, and he's not going to get many endorsements. Maybe one. Yeah, or two. but he's getting forty three mil a year, man. Of course, that's a difference, right? <laughs> With no but, state income tax. But I mean, next you look ahead to next year's free agency. There's going to be a lot of max level players available on the roster is any team going to swoop in and be like hey OJ and Obi, we're going to meet you with you 601 at the start of free agency and here's a two-year 
uh, $200 million deal. Or it just takes one, four it just takes one team, deal. man. I, I think no the other team is going to come to the table with a four-year $200 million deal or I think like the other, 180 I think or whatever the, the max is for OG on day one. So that's where the advantage for Toronto is like, you got to have the conversation with him on this on an extension. Pascal, as long as the Raptors say like, listen, we're not going to give you the super max bonuses, but do you want to sign a, a maximum contract worth 180, $190 million for four years? Right. With the player option at the end, because that's what we do. Do you want to sign that? And do you want to sign that in Toronto? It's not going to be super max, but realistically, super max is this extra bag of this extra year that we can give you. We're not going to give you that. All right. So even if you make all NBA next year, great. That's that's amazing. We'll celebrate you, but you're not going to get that from us. Here's this contract you can get right now. And it sets you up in Toronto right now. And it's going to, what, be the largest contract you'll ever sign in your career because this is going to be, you know, age, what, 29 to 33, right? So, boom, here's this contract. Will you sign it? And if Pascal signs it, then I don't really see a reason why you should push him out the door right now with an expiring deal. But again, like, those are the conversations you got to have. And, like, you have those right now in the summertime because if you don't, then you really walk in that scenario. As you mentioned, you're at the trade deadline once again, you know, all these rumors, and you're like, okay, I want all this stuff, but no one really gives you that stuff because they're like, hey, we see he's compromised or he, we see he's an expiring deal. We're not going to give you the full full boat here. And so Masai's like, all right, screw it. I'll just take you to free agency. And then the, the players leave. Like, that's how guys end up losing jobs. You know what I mean? Like, Masai and Bobby, like, they've done so well in their time here in Toronto. I, they deserve more time. And I think everyone's realistically, when you ask them truthfully, are you what, ready to let go of these guys? They're not. All right? No one's really saying, well, maybe not no one. But they've got, like, let's say 90% approval rating still. Right? No one's, like, happy with them. But, like, they're okay. Right? Um, you screw up again where it's like OG and, and, and Pascal to end up walking in free agency. And you're like, all right, here's the backup option. Here's the Dennis Schroeder of forwards who is going to come in and be, you know, your replacement of that guy. And no one, and the general fan in Toronto is not really going to recognize a lot of these guys. The general NBA fans not going to recognize most of the roster. Cause let's be real. They're not paying that much attention to Toronto. You might come into the next negotiation where, you know, Masai already had a bit of a contentious one, right? That was difficult with Ed Rogers who owns this podcast technically. So, all due respect, but like that was a difficult conversation, right? It, we, we, we saw the reports, me, you know, mediation had to step in there. And that's coming off a championship. That's coming off of multiple, multiple great years, 50 win seasons. Everybody sold uh, tickets, prices, everything sold out, franchise value climbing up. You come back to the negotiation table and no no one comes back to the negotiation table and is like, hey, I'm, I want to just make the same money. You know, here, here's my same money. Everyone's going to ask for a little bit more after this and this and this. Can you realistically come into the table and ask for that? if you mismanage another year of this. So those are all big factors that you got to really decide into this. I really, really think so. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's great that the Raptors are always the team that has, you know, all the options available and stuff. But at some point, it's like, you got to execute on those options. And like, Isn't that what to, the job of leadership to, is? To choose? No, but, one, you always have options, yeah. but someone has to choose. No, but, and, but your options keep dwindling. whether that person chooses right or wrong, that's why you, let, you keep them or you fire them, right? No, but your options are dwindling. And and your last your last couple bullets to play here is Pascal and OG. Because like, you, you just have to, based on where the roster is now, pick a path. Like, are you making that big trade? Can you make that big trade? to win now or you know are you gonna lock in some of these players and and just move forward now with certainty on on who these core guys are it's like you know we've been hearing so long about the raptors keeping all their options available but it's like 
those options aren't there forever. And like now they're facing the time crunch of having to make these decisions. And like, I feel like they've already made some decisions that of course, like hasn't worked out, you know, in terms of like, you know, being confident and keeping Fred and not, and then, you know, Houston coming in and all of this stuff. So yeah, I don't know, man. There's a lot of questions about this, this, this franchise and this team right now. No, that's fair. Very optimistic about it. So that's fair. That's fair. Um, all right. Anything else you want to get to before we get to our Clement true interview? Um, no, I mean, I just, uh, the only thing I would say is the funny thing is I, I'm seeing in the rundown, Derek Morey wants to reconcile with James Harden. <laughs> yeah. I didn't oh, even really? want to get to this. I just, <laughs> these, these two are honestly the disgusting brothers. Um, we yeah, know it's a toxic relationship, man. We, we know it's the we worst. Will he, will he ever, man? <laughs> yeah, this, since... They say, they say, they say Brad and Jennifer. All right. <laughs> this is the worst. Will he, won't he since Dame Lillard. Um, well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah Daryl Morey. Uh, you know, per Woj is hoping to convince James Harden to to stay with the Sixers next season, and apparently now the Sixers would love to keep Harden, and Maury believes his relationship with Harden could change uh, his current thoughts. And yeah, I don't know. I guess Daryl Maury looked this at the Clippers. Sounds like an Usher song. This doesn't sound like a Woj tweet, man. This sounds like no. an Usher song. I guess he looked at he looked at the Clippers roster and was like, okay, I guess I don't really want Marcus Morris Sr. and Norman Powell, so we might have to make this work. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like the Sixers, oh, not not that like George's Niang is like a franchise player or whatever, or or even Shake Milton, all Dan these guys. But they, yeah, yeah, they've had some talent go out the door. They mm-hmm. they they brought in Patrick Beverly, and if you're looking at the roster right now. Obviously, you know, the Harden piece is a big, big piece depending on who they get back. But it's like, I don't know. Like, that roster is looking, looking tough for next season. Like, if you're so talking about championship upgrades, contention. Then? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, and, and the roster as it as it was last year was only able to get you to the second round. Like, Bro, I'm, I'm just saying, like, this this could be headed to another unstable situation where it's like, okay, so you, you keep James around, but you kind of like... Yeah, you have to really beg him again. Like this sounds like a Daryl Morey. This this sounds like an Usher song, man. Daryl Morey mm-hmm. hopes to convince James to stay with the Sixers next season. Sixers will love to keep Harden next season. Morey believes his relationship with Harden could help change his current thoughts on returning. Right, like, bro, this sounds like the, the, if you were to subscribe to me, the plot of Confessions Part Two, like it's basically that. You know what I mean? So like, you you already have that situation where at best Harden's like, eh, I'm like, okay, fine, I guess I have to stay. Right, you have that. Isn't Joel? There's is there not an option for him soon to hit for agency, or is, is he not coming up on the last year of his deal? Coming up that an extension yeah, period where it's like you either commit to this or maybe he walks into free agency. Joel could be ahead for something, and then like you know, you also told Tyrese Maxey like, "Hey, listen, we're gonna keep you, we're gonna sign you, but guess what? We're not gonna give you your guaranteed money." And listen, I don't care what anyone says, right? You have a lot more peace of mind, and you're a lot less, a lot happier when you have that guaranteed deal signed. Versus like, well, we're not going to sign you right now to that extension because we're going to keep our roster and cap flexibility and all that kind of stuff. And I just imagine Daryl Morey walking in there with his, you know, scraggly beard and, and just coming in there and be like, hey, this is what, all, you know, what it looks like. But the money's there. It's going to be there. It's like, yo, trust me, like you would rather have the money and the deal signed. Absolutely. So I'm not I, I can't imagine Tyrese Maxey is going to be 100 percent thrilled with like, hey, your money is just there. But don't worry, we're not going to sign you to it yet. And then you also have a roster where it's like. Yes, the supporting pieces already need to work. You've lost a couple. None of them are irreplaceable, let's be honest. Niang was a defensive liability, but pretty good three-point shooter. Um, Jalen McDaniels, kind of inconsistent, only brought in late in the season. Um, Shake Milton, oh, who cares? Um, 
but like you know who are these guys going to be and like is there going to be depth in your roster and ultimately when you bring it all back together with nick as the head coach are you going to be able to make that next step are you going to be able to beat boston are you going to beat whoever is in front of you in the second round are you going to be able to beat miami are you even good to beat milwaukee right are you better than any of those two teams uh, for three teams and if you aren't next season holy hell is is philadelphia going to look like a mess when all these guys are unhappy and they're like, yeah, we're done with this, including Joel. So I'm looking yeah. forward to it is what I'm trying yeah, to say. And, and I'm looking at teams like the Knicks and the Cavs and stuff too. It's like, you know, unless the Sixers make a significant upgrade, it's like, you know, if, if they if they go against those teams in the playoffs, you know, I, I feel I, I don't even feel confident in just picking the Sixers too. And it's like at some point, I don't know, man, with the Sixers, I, I just always go back to, I feel like, you know, the minute they didn't bring back Jimmy Butler, they just messed up this whole era. Like you were finally able to get a player, which I felt like was perfect next to Joel Embiid, and and then now oh, you and, had to hold on, hold on. Embiid, uh, Embiid yeah. is signed for guaranteed three more years. Yeah, but he can ask out. Like these guys, like he can That's just true. request his trade, right? Like That's true. it doesn't That's even true. matter in terms of the contract. And it's like, you know, the minute they 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 moved away from Jimmy Butler, you know, they cycle through the Ben Simmons saga. You know, they brought in James Harden. And now we're cycling through this. It's like, you know, they've tried to build a winner around Joel Embiid for like how many how many years now? And I mm-hmm. guess at some point too, it's on Embiid too, right? Like we've seen, oh, we've seen yeah, those, we've seen those playoff performances come up short over and over again. And and so I don't know, I don't know. It seems like unless they can pull something crazy, maybe I don't know. Somehow they do a three team deal and get Dame out of this whole James Harden thing or something. It's like, it's not looking good for the Sixers, but, you know, at least we know Daryl Morey is willing to get uncomfortable. Well, we know, okay, he is willing to get uncomfortable. Right now, he's trying to get uncomfortable, trying to get, you know, James back. Right now, he's making James Harden uncomfortable because if you want to, you know how you could have reconciled or really let James know that you wanted him back? Giving him a a long-term contract, which you didn't. And it's the reason why he opted in and wants out. Yeah. So no, there right, we right go. now, right now, Daryl Morey is outside of James Harden's house or at the white parties or whatever. Why does he always go on every summer? James Harden does a white party on a boat. If there's a party, James Harden is there, man. <laughs> That's don't fair. matter James if it's white, black, or yellow. <laughs> like it really hey, doesn't. Matter. had a yellow party, man. <laughs> it really doesn't matter, man. No, but James Daryl Morey is outside the apartment right now, being like, "This by far is the hardest <laughs> thing I've ever had to do to tell you." The player I love. <laughs> no, man. Like, it's just... It's, no, it's so it's, funny. The NBA so... I knew this was going to happen too, man. I knew. Remember we oh, said this? And I was man. like, I don't know. There's a realistic situation where Daryl tries to hold James because he loves James. <laughs> Actually, people have this is Brad to go... And, this is Brad and, and... Was it Brad and Angelina and then Brad and Jennifer? Like one of those two. Yeah. No, this guy's yeah. a Benifer, man. Um, yeah, no, this, I think, is ben, this is a legit Benifer situation. I think people have to go read Sam Amick's article in, in The Athletic, which I think he published over the weekend about this James Harden saga. Because one of the funniest things in that article is that apparently in like recent days leading up to free agency, Daryl stopped taking James's calls. And his reason was they got caught tampering last year <laughs> and he didn't want the same thing to happen. Imagine having a relationship like Daryl and James Harden for, for like over a decade, uh-huh. obviously going back to Houston. Like, of course, James Harden is going to read through that. Like, you're trying to call Daryl on the Monday before free agent, and he's like, hey, man, 
I would love to talk, but you know, you know how that Daniel House thing went down last year. Like, you know, maybe we'll just chat on Friday at 6 p.m. Like, I think that would be a hint to James Harden that they weren't going to offer him the extension oh, that he was looking for. Like that, I could not stop laughing yeah, at that, was at wild, that paragraph. Man. Like yeah. what, what? Like the NBA is so funny, but now you kind want of him excuses back? that. Yeah. No, get ready so. to learn Marcus Morris Senior, buddy. <laughs> Oh man! Yeah, I don't know. Is this, but... is this another situation where the Clippers won't give up Terrence Mann? Who do the? I, I like Terrence Mann. Everybody likes Terrence Mann. Everybody sure. saw what he did to Utah that one game where he had like thirty nine or something, maybe even forty. Um, sure. Rudy Gobert couldn't guard him at all. But like, can like Ter- so the Clippers wouldn't give up Terrence Mann for for Fred? That that's honestly understandable. Maybe you didn't want to resign Fred. Obviously, he's going to cost a lot of money in the offseason. You, you chose not to. That's fine, right? They didn't give up Terrence Mann for there. It seems like the James Harden thing, the Clippers are like, yeah, we're not giving up Terrence Mann. And I'm like, yo, this man is 26 years old, averaging yeah. 8.8 points per game, 3.4 rebounds, 2.3 assists. Can Terrence Mann become the most improved player in a different scenario? Potentially. Is he a good player as is? Yes. But you're talking about maybe being able to get James Harden. And they're like, no, we're saying hard no on Terrence Mann. 26-year-old Terrence Mann. Like, I'm, this guy I'm is kind like, he's checked out junior and leveled up, man. No, I'm kind of on the fence about that. Like, I completely get it. But I'm also like, I look at Harden and it's like, it's a one-year deal. Um, and it's like, man, like, I don't trust Harden at all. Like, as as, as a fair. piece that I'm adding that's fair. To, okay. to a team that's trying to win a championship, right? It's like, what has he really shown? Like, I don't know, man. Sometimes with these guys, it's like, I look at James Harden. I put Kyrie Irving in this group too. It's like, when's the last time getting into the James Harden business or the Kyrie Irving business? When has that, like how many years has it been since that's worked out for a team? Like it's been a while, man. It has been a while. You're right. right. And that's and probably like, why Daryl wants to hold on to it because he's the guy who had the most success with it in the first place. Yeah. Like, and I think that's probably part of why they hired him in Philly. They were like, yeah, yo, and, we want you to bring James here eventually. Yeah. And you know, uh, Brian Windhorst finally got his mic again. So I could finally hear what he was saying this week. And uh-huh. like, um, like I think there's been some talk too about like just just reading between the lines that like you know maybe maybe Joel Embiid had a say too in terms of like um, not wanting um, the team to lock into Harden long term and maybe that played a part as well. And to me, if like that's the case, it's like I don't know how you can try to talk Harden in into coming back and like having you know this like one year scenario. And like mm. I don't know, do you really want Harden back? It's like. I think we just saw in the playoffs this this man, this man went nuclear for like two games out of the seven uh, against the Rockets. Um, no, against who was that? against the Celtics? Why am I saying the Rockets? And then it's like all the other games, like he was like two of twelve. James Harden. Mm. So like, I don't even know. Like James Harden's obviously a brand name, but I don't know. It might be stepped on product at this point. Like right, right. This no, might be like bu- it's this is like buying BlackBerry stock right now. <laughs> no, but it's like. And I get what you're saying with Terrence Mann, but at the same time, I'm like, yeah. man, if he only wants to go to the Clippers, like if if I'm if I'm Frank Lawrence, I'm like, you know, like yeah. I'll I'll have a Here's staring contest, pal. like I'll have staring contest with Daryl Morey, like you know, you know, you know, our guy, you know, our guy Lawrence is not afraid to get uncomfortable either. Oh, he's not uncomfortable, so... man. This guy squatted in the Scotiabank <laughs> yeah. Arena, man. This guy lived at Union Station. Also, it's like this guy was eating hard. Shanghai 360 every day. So it's like. Also, it's like like Harden, Kawhi, and PG. Like I don't know. Like okay, I guess. Like uh-huh. I don't know. Like is that? 
I don't know. I guess it. I guess it just all depends on Kawhi's health too, right? Like if you tell me Kawhi's healthy, then I'm like, yeah. all right, let's roll. Like if you tell me, if you can guarantee me Kawhi's not going to miss a single playoff game, like I'll, I mean, yeah, sure, I'll pick the Clippers. Like I'll pick the Clippers again, man. I don't care. But it's well, like, like I don't know, man. Like I don't know. These, I mean, what can the Clippers do though? Like on their end, it's like, yeah, you're you're already pretty much all in. Mm-hmm. Like you don't want to waste these years, and like they've got they've got those two guys up for an extension. So like, but I mean, at least I, James is better than the, any of those guys. Like realistically, like first off, you're not even gonna play any of those three guys that much minutes in the playoffs. Well, maybe maybe Norm, but like we're talking about like Marcus Morris and Norm Powell. Yeah, I mean, and I'm, like I'm, whichever yeah. extra player you toss in there, they don't they're not gonna play that many minutes in the in the in, in that time. And James, even a declining version of James, would play a lot better than those guys. Also, I feel bad for Norm because he signed that five year deal and he's just been traded every year. This is what happens. Know, if you sign one of those Robert Covington deals, you're just getting moved around every year. I'm pretty no, sure Robert Norm, Covington yeah, might be no, in this deal too. Norm's kind of in that spot where like he's he's a good enough player and his contract is like his contract's perfectly in that zone where he just gets moved around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because exactly. it's a decent contract and he's a decent player. And he's a good yeah. pro who's shown he can port his game from Toronto to Portland to LA to yeah. now whichever next team, maybe Philadelphia. Also, by the way, man, ugh, all these like <laughs> I mean, I think one of the downsides to winning the championship with these guys and seeing them move on is that, like you have to see them over and over again. And I'm like, imagine you run into Philadelphia and Nick's there coaching with Norm. I'm just like, Ugh, I <laughs> nah, can't even Nick hate can... Sixers <laughs> no, anymore. That's not like... even that. That's not that bad. Um, like well, the Clippers I think... is the worst, but yeah, even I'm I'm even over the Clippers thing. I was only stressed about the Clippers the year right after the championship. Like if Kawhi just went there and they won, hmm. like that that would have really hurt. But but now it's like you know it's been like what five years now. And like, like, not much has happened, but yeah, I don't know, no, I don't know, man. Like, I don't even know where I would put Philly. You know, if they go into the, if they don't make a major upgrade off this Harden trade, like, I don't, I don't know, are they even a contender? It's really up to Joel, I guess. If he makes another leap, or if he, if he even if he just <laughs> he's gonna leap, over... he's gonna leap into Grant Williams's face, man. That's oh. that's the leap he made this year. Well, they they put in new flopping penalties, so I feel like that's also a big uh, oh, return yeah. for Philadelphia. I now. do, lo- I do. They love do have that f- word. four prime floppers between PJ Tucker, uh, Patrick yeah. Beverly, James Harden, and Joel Embiid. Like I'm yeah, just saying, with with Nick shouting in Ben Taylor's ear at the same time. Oh yeah, like, and then like flopping. maybe they get Kyle Lowry in a buyout kind of thing if all oh, that kind of works out. Yeah. Which again would be horrible. Imagine you get to face Philly and it's Nick Nurse coaching uh, Kyle Lowry and they flopping against. I mean, against it's it's Kyle Dennis at the Shorter end of his like, career. Oh. He's a bench player now. I mean, like he's starting on the Raptors. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, definitely starting a point guard. Number seven from North Philly to your city. If Kyle Lowry, like I would love to hear that again, man. If Kyle came here, man, I'd I'd pick the Raps to win forty eight games next season. That's my that's my sole judgment on if you're going to be a good player or not for the Raptors is is Drizzy going to be able to put put your name out there and you, people are going to cheer. Well, get ready for get ready for five We the North introductions. Man. That was that was that was a that was the Ken Burcha corollary. Like, oh, did man. your name sound good in the starting lineup? Intro? Let's just get Jonathan Williams, man. Um, that's all what right. I'm saying. <laughs> all right, that um, that's that's it for the first segment. We've got Clement Chu coming up. That's right. So um, stay tuned. We're going to take a break. And then when we come back, uh, we will have another interview for you. Welcome back to the Raptors show. Uh, your host, Lulu. Alex Wong is joining me here, co-host, wearing um, 
What are you working again? Oh, you don't know this player? Oh, we'll play a basketball. No, no, no. I, I, I know the I know the player. Who is it? Mahmoud uh, Abdul Rauf. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, you got the name right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wearing an Abdul Rauf Nuggets jersey. That's, that's a legend right there. That's an NBA legend. And we're joined by another NBA legend, Alex. Who do we have? Yeah, we've got, you know, there's there's a couple, there's some great uh, basketball events happening in the city of Toronto this month. Um, you know, as people know, Sportsnet and Canada Basketball teaming up to bring Global Jam to Toronto for a second straight year. Mm-hmm. And that's taking place next week at the Madame Athletic Center, July 12th, July to, to the 16th. There's going to be a 5-on-5 under 23 basketball tournament featuring a bunch of men's and women's teams from around the world and make sure you get tickets at global jam.ca and also happening this weekend is the ccya celeb classic on saturday at 6 p.m at uft's gold ring center starring jeremy lynn simu lu list of long list of celebrities and and you know will me and you were part of the play-by-play team last year and you know excited that this event is coming back so we have ccya co-founder clement chu joining us on the program once again what's going on clem good how are you guys doing i'm doing well man i i, I don't know why i introduced you as an nba legend i just meant to say basketball legend um to be clear clement chu was not in the nba but uh t- closely related to a lot of things nba but no seriously clem it was a great honor to be involved in this last year we Really had a, a, a blast doing the event. Um, I think we talked about it on the banter pod like pretty extensively, just like how enjoyable it was. Like, you know, it's such a great celebration that you guys put on. It's a great charitable effort. And I think more than anything else, it was just like super fun. Like, you know, it, I, I think everyone comes out to see celebrities, but I also think that like, you know, it's a chance to once again meet with the basketball community here in Toronto, which has always been really strong, and it just keeps getting more and more events. And you see that with Global Jam, you see that with the the Celeb Classic, and um, yeah, I, I I say all this to say that I'm I hate that I'm gonna miss it, man. I mean, if it wasn't for a dear friend's wedding, uh, that's gonna be out of town this weekend, like I would absolutely 100% be there because it was such a t- uh, good time last year. So, Alex, I'm sure you could say the same because. Yeah, man, I just love the Slap Classic, man. No, for sure, man. It, it was such a great event um, and, and excited to see it back. And it's really cool, too, because, you know, um, obviously CCYA, the Canadian Chinese Youth Athletic Association, does so much stuff, um, you know, in the community, especially in, in the Chinese community. We've had a great chance to get to know Clement these last couple of years. And, um, you know, all the proceeds from from this Celeb Classic is going to the Jeremy Lin Foundation, um and ccya so people should hit up ccya.org and 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 get the tickets even though will's not going to be there i'll be there i'll be there doing a play-by-play again this year with a with a special guest but clem wanted to ask you you know this is actually the third annual ccya classic like what's the origin story of this tournament man we'd love for you to let people know yeah it's um it's it's the third annual it was delayed by a couple years because of the pandemic but it really kind of goes back to 2019 when um you know, I, I, actually, it goes back to 2017 when uh, I had met Simu, who was speaking to a bunch of kids at a career seminar, you know, talking about non-traditional career paths for Asian kids. So we weren't inviting accountants, engineers, um, you know, doctors, doctors lawyers. Yeah. We yeah. were we were inviting people like from the militia. We were inviting uh, people who were you know in the police force, special effects artists, professional athletes. And uh, I'd asked my friend, I was like, I need an actor. And they're like, well, we know this guy that just got on the show called Kim's Convenience. Would you like to grab him? I was like, cool. So I had this 
Simu had this fake uh, like Simu agents email account or something like that. And I messaged him. I was like, hey, wondering if Simu Liu would, would be willing to come. And he's like, yeah, but um, he has gas expenses. So if you could uh, just make sure you cover that, that'd be good. <laughs> you know, so uh, I made sure that we agreed and part of the terms and conditions that we had a gas card, you know, to give to him. And uh, he got there and, and, and wowed the kids. And while we were there, we were chatting and uh, he heard a lot about what I wanted to do for Asian athletes, which was to really push uh, the representation agenda. And that's why we work so much with different Asian players, ranging from your, you know, your Yao Mings to Yi Jin Lans to uh, Ha Sung Jins, you know, all the way to Jeremy Lin. And and Sim was like, I want the same for acting. He goes, I'm sick of seeing, you know, always sort of one portrayal of Asian guys. It's either you're a Kung Fu guy or you're the brunt of the jokes. And I'd like more. And, and so we kept in contact and I always knew how much, how, how big of a fan he was of Jeremy's. And one year Atlanta was playing here uh, in around 2019, earlier in the season. So I said, you guys should meet. So we did this podcast where we just sat in a hotel room in the Ritz Carlton, all jammed up, you know, on a hotel bed, like trying to film the thing. Mm. Um, and, and then next thing you know, two weeks later, Jeremy gets traded to the team. And then Jeremy doesn't know anyone in the city. So he contacts Simu and all of a sudden they're the same age. So they play the same video games. They like the same restaurants. They, they, they just started hanging out and became really good friends. And, and to the point where Jeremy invited uh, Simu on the float, you know, for the championship parade. And uh, Simu was like, oh, man, Jeremy's, Jeremy's my dude. I got to do something for him. Uh, let, let's raise some money for his foundation. And that's when we did the first uh, celebrity game at a night market. We built a court there. And uh, he invited all of his YouTuber friends from California, and it was very successful. And then the pandemic hit. And then last year was the year we resurrected it and ran it out of U of T, and we're running it back uh, once again for this year. But that's sort of the the genesis of where this game came from. Okay, hold on, Clem. I got a few follow-up questions. All right. Number one, you're telling me that Simu had a fake agent email, as in he was pretending to be his agent. Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, he, he did have... Um, an intermediary, which was himself, you know, to help. Yeah, that's you know what. Yo. I don't respect that. Oh actually. man, at least I have Alex, man. I just no. tell people to hit Alex, and then they hit me. Like, oh, we, we need to create. We need to create Will Lou agent at hotmail.com, man. Yeah. Oh. If you build it, they that's will come. Man. That's wild, man. It's for negotiation purposes, yeah, right? Yeah, like yeah. it's it kind of weird if you're negotiating on your own behalf, but uh, mm. I appreciate the hustle. No, that's mad respect to, to Simu for that because uh, that that is creative. I've never heard of that one before. No, I, I think the second thing too is just like, um, yeah. So the the I because I I know I know Simu was always a big fan of basketball. Like you, you know you watch like for example, I first became aware of him probably at the same time everyone else did uh, on Kim's Convenience. You can see in the um, the intro sequence like there's there's a there's him playing basketball like at times in the Low show. Rim low rim <laughs> yeah oh yeah though he might have gotten a couple of dunks but you know like he he's he's always been pretty um you know just enthusiastic about basketball like i actually played him at a raptors public three on three tournament once which i was and he like just hopped on blake murphy's team because he was like yo blake can i play on your team and i'm just like man he really went out of his way to do that so i think the enthusiasm is there too so i mean like yeah what were some of like the when you're putting together this thing for the first time like what was sort of your goal beyond sort of just like, um, you know, raising a lot of funds for a good cause? Like what was sort of the vibe and sort of the atmosphere and sort of the audience that you hope to sort of 
um, in gender, both in their first event and also in your second event, which obviously we were a part of, and it was obviously a huge success. Yeah, so Simu is really good at driving sort of that direction of the rosters because he's like, you could get all one type of person in the game, which is a bunch of actors, let's mm -hmm. call it, right? But in his mind, he feels that the celebration of the culture is really diverse. And and what he means is there are YouTubers, there are musicians, there are esports athletes, there mm -hmm. are cosplayers, and he just felt Comedians, like, yeah. Yeah, comedians. He just felt like, let's use this as an opportunity to kind of celebrate broadly uh, what everyone does. But the tricky part is, are they willing to play basketball? <laughs> and and it's it's not like you're playing in a little gym. Like, you're in front of 2,000 people. Yeah. Like, you know, things could go awry. So we found that it wasn't that simple uh, to get people out. But in our sort of our first revision re of this last year, uh, we were eyeballing who was in the space that actually played. So Hassan Minhaj, he, he's in all of those celebrity all-star games, but like mm. he wants to ball and he yeah. talks about ball all the time. Let's get him. Ronnie has opinion about ball. And I know Alex <laughs> has opinions on Ronnie's skills, but you know, Ronnie, Ronnie he's goes horrible. to Nets. You know, he goes to Nets games. He, he's, 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 this guy he's showed up in flip-flops in the warm-up line last year, man. Stop, Again, he's horrible. Stop, stop lying to people, Clement. <laughs> he's so political, man. Stop we were tell, there. We saw with our eyes. Stop telling people Ronnie has the love of the game, man. I He likes to go to games. I mean, I see him courtside. <laughs> what kind of politician He likes right to now? go to games, man. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Hey, let, like, let, he, let he got to he he got the courtside tickets for the Knicks. He got the courtside tickets to. Uh, Brooklyn. Oh, I, so got I, no like... I got no problem with them watching games. Yeah, playing yeah. is a different matter, you know? <laughs> yeah, but we, oh, would Cerati, like, we would actually like watch different shows or YouTube to see who had skills. So the funny thing is one okay. of the recruits we got this year, uh, if any of you have seen Beef uh, yeah. on mm -hmm. Netflix, um, young Mazzino, who's mm -hmm. playing in the game this year, who is the younger brother, one of the Cho bros, I watched him play pickup in that church run, you know, they had in the show. And I was like, wait, wait, this guy's actually doing a proper reverse. Oh, this guy's wow. actually like on the catch. He's actually making the move. And you've seen horrible, horribly choreographed basketball before on TV shows. And you're like, that guy, that's a stunt double. That's not actually what they're doing. But you could see that young, the way he even catches the ball and just spins in his hand as he gets into triple threat. You're like, this guy actually can play. And, and that's kind of like where we're looking to see of these people that we're kind of scouting out, you know, who actually would want to get into a game. And it's kind of, it's kind of fun to have those debates with them. That's kind of cool. So you guys are like, you guys got your own war room, like in a, is it like you, Jeremy, Simu are just like together in a room watching Netflix and rewinding like the, the back <laughs> 10 seconds to see if young Mazzino picked up his pivot foot. Is that, is that, is that, is that what's going on? Like it's kind well, of a wild process. Simu actually, um, um, plays a lot of pickup out in LA. So I think that yeah. that's where they have those sort of celebrity circles where you'll, and he's, he's hung out with some pretty serious people like um, David nurse, Nick nurses um, yeah. nephew, I believe he has a run out there. So Simu has been invited out to those runs and stuff. And so he's had exposure to the most extreme mm -hmm. and he's also had exposure to the most casual, but in that sense, he's, he kind of has a good sense of, it's not just who's going to play, but also who's going to, um not go out there and try to injure people uh who's right. out there to have a put on a is, show because is that, why, be is that why i'm not in the game god damn. <laughs> i mean for other reasons as well but that might be the main one hey he i, I know that simu had a sampling of will 
a few times. Hey. Uh, I think he's oh. him a few times. So that's right. Oh. Yeah, for for loyal listeners, you know, we've been secretly begging to be in this game. Since we were in the play-by-play for the game man, last season, but... and uh, after plenty of LOL text replies from Clement, we kind of we, we got the hint. So <laughs> confirming we will not be playing um, in the game. No, it's 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 really cool, man. Hearing like the backstory and the process of of how you're getting these guys uh, there, and I think it's super cool. You guys are kind of blowing out the event this year. There's like a food event that's happening before and all of that too, right? Yeah, so the way we kind of look at it is, to be honest with you, how many years do these guys really have to kind of run ball? And and yeah, you can like probably insert a next generation to kind of come in there. But seeing as Simu is kind of like the anchor behind this because he's the Torontonian, he's the one that wanted this event to be in Toronto. And Jeremy wants to continue, you know, doing his community work in Toronto. And so if Simu is the conduit, like we figure... I don't know how many more years of this he can play before he, I don't know, blows out an Achilles or something like that. So uh, we understand that for this platform to kind of survive, that it has to evolve and have celebrations of different pieces of the culture vertical. So like when we talk about as an Asian person, like what's, what do we do to kind of transfer culture? Food is one of the first thing that jumps out to mind. Right. Mm-hmm. And we're saying, so considering where U of T is physically located, it's kind of a food desert. I mean, no disrespect to McDonald's across the street. There's not a lot of restaurants in the area. So we're like, we, yeah. we decided to take over Varsity Stadium. We actually built out a, a an elevated food platform where we let the chefs like Chef Nui from Pai and, and Trevor from Baobird to actually guide us on how to build out an experience, which is I feel very differentiated from a night market because we're not just letting anyone in here. We're selecting the chef partners that we have in this food hall. Mm. And also we're kind of staggering the time. So it's not literally like you're shoulder to shoulder with people lining up for hours trying to get food. Like we're trying to make it so that Mm. it's enjoyable and you really get to kind of meet and greet with some of the chefs. So that's definitely like one component we've added on. We've added a tailgate. Uh, So there's going to be all sorts of cool stuff there, like freebies, um, uh, Raptors Uprising is going to give you a chance sure. to play against uh, an NBA 2K Pro there. There's going to be like inflatables, like Adidas is setting up a, a red carpet or blue carpet where the celebrities will walk the carpet and you as a fan can kind of get right up to the gate, you know, and, and you know, get some selfies or whatever. So there's going to be a lot of things happening in the peripheral around uh, the event. But even Friday night, we have a screening of 38 at the Garden happening at hot docs theater uh where you know that the the hbo uh documentary which is emmy award winning will be screening on friday night at seven o'clock and then afterwards some of the production team is flying in to do a q a and hopefully we'll get a few more of the celebrities coming by to um you know kind of talk about what linsanity meant to them you know during that time yeah i'm so jealous hearing this man I'm, I'm so sick not being here for this. I got I to oh do, do a God. solo react pod after. No, no, no. no. I was, please do, actually. Tell oh, me every man. detail. Um, no. You know, the other thing I wanted to ask you, Clem, and I think you can tell us this. You know, I think at one point Duncan Robinson was involved um, with this event. Obviously, uh, I think, you know, he, he, he's he got scheduling obligations and stuff. But, like, wh- I, I think you told me this, but, like, I wasn't able to relay it to the audience. What's Duncan Robinson's affiliation with the Asian community? So he endorses a noodle brand called Asha Noodles, which is mm. our presenting sponsor for uh, Fresh Fest. Asha Noodles is out of Taiwan. 
um, but the CEO, he runs out of California. And when the bubble hit, uh, Duncan, who's a big ramen fan, was like, ah, I'm around the trainers. I can't eat anything too unhealthy. And he's, he did his own research to say, where can I find a healthier ramen? And he, he came across Asha, which is air dried, not preserved, not deep fried. And, and he was like, can you guys send me product? So CEO's like, yeah, sure. Sent a box of the stuff down to, um, you know, to the bubble. And, uh, and then he engaged Duncan. He's like, how would you like to be our spokesperson in Taiwan? <laughs> and Duncan's like, sure. So um, I believe Duncan is probably heading over there sometime this summer to do some of those. I, I guess a lot of players do sneaker tours. You're doing a ramen tour, you know, uh, heading out to Asia. But um, I don't know. I, I To be honest with you, I haven't even talked to uh, the CEO. There there might still be a chance. I'm not sure. Uh, we need mm. to find out if, if there's still a window of opportunity for them to come through. But uh, that's sort of his connection to our community. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, Duncan Robinson. And Asha Noodles has these really cool, cool collabs. Like they do this BTS thing, this Hello Kitty thing. So they're pretty progressive. They even did something with the Kardashians, I think, oh, a wow. few, like a few months ago. Big time. Wow. They did a charity commitment too between Duncan and Noodles. Man, this is wild. An yeah, American going it's, to it's, Taiwan to sell noodles. This is we're yeah. really, this is this is true globalization right there. <laughs> this Asha noodles were Duncan's go-to meal in the NBA bubble, and he's got his own recipe for a noodle. Damn, I was not familiar with Duncan Robinson's game, man. Wow. No, that's wild. He said no to Tillman Fertitta's eight restaurants in the bubble. I mean, listen, this this sounds <laughs> like it'll save some money ramen. too. Yeah. You know what? Honestly, uh, you know, this might be the most Asian thing Duncan Robinson's done because I feel like we've talked about on the show. Every Asian in crisis just eats uh, instant noodles. I don't know. It's like our like if there's ever like an Asian like, uh, uh, I don't know, disaster bunker or whatever these people talk about inside of there would just have like an unlimited stock of just instant noodles. I am pretty confident of that idea. So, Damn. yeah, um, Clem also wanted to ask you too. you know, we obviously lost. Uh, one point guard from from the 2019 championship team, Fred to Houston. Um, but you know the the most heartbreaking point guard we lost from the 2019 championship run remains Jeremy Lin. Um, and I know Jeremy has done a lot of stuff with you guys, and you know including you know the Jeremy Lin School. And I I know you guys CCY recently had a grand opening for a new facility in Markham and stuff. Love to just hear more about like you know obviously since Jeremy's moved on in his basketball career how much he's still kind of keeping in touch with the community and what that relationship has been like. Yeah, he, he's been great. It, it's obviously been tough because he's over in Asia, but uh, his team definitely stays in contact with our group. And we did launch the Jeremy Lin basketball school, you know, about a year ago. And, and the intent behind doing that was um, when we sat down to talk to him, he's like, I'm not exactly looking to build out some elite AAU program or something like that. Like I'm not necessarily concerned about churning out you know a bunch of these kids that are trying to go pro but what i am concerned about is i want young people to kind of really i guess enjoy and understand some of the other benefits that i got out of playing basketball like i became an entrepreneur i became a philanthropist you know i met a lot of friends along the way you know i, I got a great education and so these were some of the lessons that he wanted to uh, permeate in a basketball program and we're like that's great because that's actually what CCY spaces because we're not exactly churning out, you know, we're not participating in the AAU summer circuit. Like that's not necessarily our focus. Our focus is really around trying to get kids enjoying sports and playing sports. And if they do end up being elite, 
well, that's great. We have a lot of places that we could send them to kind of get to that next level. But right now within our organization, our, our focus is really on just trying to get kids to fall in love with physical activity again. And Jeremy has been instrumental as part of that. Um, he's obviously uh, in a pretty happy place, I'd say. Like, you know, going to Taiwan, he got to play against his brother. His mom's out there, has friends out there like Jay Chow. You know, mm -hmm. so he gets to he gets to hang out there and, and, and be a little bit more free. And I think that um, that for him has definitely kind of uplifted, um, you know, his spirits uh, quite a bit. And, and he is kind of winding down in terms of um, his pro career. And, and I think he had mentioned on his Instagram that he did get married a little while ago and kind of kept it uh, low key. But, you know, you figure that all these kind of things kind of coming together are kind of ending the story nicely for him. You know what I mean? He gets to kind of go home in a sense, mm -hmm. you know, and play in Taiwan where his family's from and get to play with, with his family and, and, and actually has quite a bit of friends out there that, that are playing as well. And I think that, that this is really putting him in a good space. And we're kind of excited that he's, you know, in this ecosystem with us because he's definitely influenced Simu. Like I'm older than the guy by quite a bit, but I remember when he dropped that 38 on the Lakers, I was in New York at the time and the whole city was just ballistic. Like, like everybody was selling the bootleg Jeremy Lin shirts. Like mm -hmm. I had friends in Toronto that were producing the fake Gildan, you know, welcome to the Lynn show had duffel bags standing outside Scotiabank arena, selling them for 25 bucks a pop and telling me we can't keep up the production wow. of these bootleg shirts out front. Like that's how, that's how hot it was. And it was just such a amazing time and great memory for, I guess the community that we just want to keep them close. Yeah. No, no it's, it's, it's kind of amazing. Cause like, I, I would say Jeremy in particular has, you know, he has the game in Toronto, obviously he hit the game winner. That's like the other super, super memorable moment from Lynn Sanity. I don't know why Jose Calderon was backing up off of him with two, one second left on the uh, the game clock. Like maybe uh, press up. Uh, I don't think he can drive to the rim in one second, but uh, I'm not mad at Jose for that. Um, no, but I, I think I, I'm curious in terms of like why Toronto, like, you, you know, he's, cho he's chosen to invest in so much infrastructure here, you know, in partnership with you guys at CCYA, like, um, yeah. You as someone who's close to, to Jeremy and you guys work together a lot, and I, I know Alex does too, but like, um, why? Why is Toronto so special for Jeremy in particular? I think he knows that we have a huge population, uh, like an Asian population here in Toronto. And it was such a short stint for him that I felt like he didn't feel like he really got a chance to really dig in here and do community work because he's definitely been very active in all of the other cities that he has called home at some point. Um, and obviously it's memorable because he won the championship. But I think the combination of of Simu being here and him, like, so every year since he was with Golden State as a rookie, CCY would always engage him to meet with the community. And he mm. always obliged. Even when he was, wow. or okay. the year he came with the Lakers, he had a cold. He was like not even well to play in the game. Like he had a fever or something like that. This pre-COVID stuff, so I think yeah, yeah, sure. it's okay. But he came out and met with the crowd afterwards, and I think that he he could see it. He could see the the genuine love the the community had for him, and he was he was always wanting to do something in Toronto. And I think uh, that's where the opportunity came about that he would work with us. And and I think that's why the focus is in Toronto because it's the one city he just never like. It's easier kind of to get stuff set up in the U.S. 
uh, especially since a lot of his team is based out of US, but we're sort of like that de facto relationship managed for him in Toronto. So I think that that has been sort of the fun part for us as an organization to be able to to spread the, the Jeremy gospel in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's amazing, man. Um, no, really excited about what Jeremy's doing in, in the community here. And and like like we've all mentioned, really excited for the event um, on on Saturday again. CCY.org for people that that want to get tickets. Um, Clem, I don't know if there's anything else you want to add. If not, then Will's got his uh, little surprise for you. Yeah, no, like I, I mean, you closed it out pretty good. Um, we still have some tickets, uh, so it's CCYAA.org/celebclassic. Uh, I think it'll be it's going to be a great time. Some some last minute announcements. Uh, Dominique has uh, some passport issues, so he's unable to make it this oh, yeah. year. Dominique Wilkins was supposed to be part of this. Yeah, but mm-hmm. he, Dominique's my guy. So he said, yeah, Clem, yeah. I'm sorry, I found you a substitute." Uh, he got us former Raptor D Brown, oh. 1991 Slam Dunk champion. Oh, so okay, yeah, I know him. He, he got the call. <laughs> so... <laughs> I, I know, I know. Johnson going to be bringing out the Reebok pumps or something, man. Oh, yeah, man. so we're happy that D is coming through, and we have a couple other people coming through that will be sort of game day surprise. So I think that uh, it's going to be a good time, and um, and and I invite everybody to enjoy the whole weekend, not mm-hmm. just the game, but there's just a lot of stuff going on. And 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 thank you guys for kind of shouting out the event. Oh, of course. No, thank you for involving us, like um, with it, because you know I think that uh, it it is a really innovative thing, because like last year. We were mad nervous, um, you know, preparing for the event and, you know, we'd never done live commentary before. We didn't know what kind of style people wanted in that moment. But I think it was just kind of like once you got there, you got really comfortable because it's like you can really tell it's like a really welcoming space. Um, obviously, a lot of Asians around that always makes me feel very comfortable. But it was just like, <laughs> you know, we really you slid into, well, that too. That was nice. But like. We just really slid into character, and I think that uh had a lot of fun roasting, uh, especially the comedians, man. It was, it was really fun pressuring the comedians to stop shooting the basketball in the cases of Ronnie and uh, uh, Hassan. And they also at came over point, and, and took the mic, too, which is jokes. At some point, I think I need to get you guys security. Like, you know, it's going to get <laughs> no, to that point. Every, like, it felt like every 20, 30 seconds, someone was just coming up like, yo, man, love the pod, and, you know walk get the picture and stuff like that so at some point it's like it's going to get disruptive so oh, i thought i thought be... you might i thought you might getting security because we're, we're we're going too <laughs> yeah, hard on these on these a-list celebs no no i didn't no. know you were talking about this other thing to protect fame. to protect you guys to protect you guys uh, is um that, that was my first thought when when, when you mentioned the security yeah, yeah. no it was a, it was a it was a great time and and really Really excited about Alex, it. Alex, man, you're going to kill it. Are you, can you announce who your your partner, broadcast yeah, partner, yeah, is Faz- going to be? Yeah, Faisal's going to be joining me, um, yeah. you know, in the same way that Dominique recruited uh, D. Brown, you know? Mm, that's I, his? I, I, I recruit, no, that's, no, that's, that's my D. Brown? Joke. Yeah, I was just going to say. Uh, um, but yeah, um, no, we're, we're excited about it. And you know, Will Will won't be there to you know mess up the. First no, I told I told Alex man, set up the periscope. This year. No, set he, up he, the periscope, man. Something, man. Li- IG live or something, man. I just he, I'll he be at the wedding mis- looking at it on my phone. I swear. He won't mistake the first Asian we're introducing this year. So oh, he was gonna be good. <laughs> All right, Clem. Um, you know, now that we're here, we can quickly tell that story. So the day we were looking up, um, you know who everyone is, because like me and Alex, honestly, we, we weren't we weren't as tapped into the YouTube space. Okay. 
uh, the day we planned to look it up, that was the day of the blackout by a, by a company, by a company. Okay. I'm not going to say which company, but you know, it happens, you know, it's part of life. Okay. Um, so we like went to this, like, uh, we were just looking for coffee shops, like nearby, we were going to sit in a McDonald's or something. And eventually we found a place that, you know, was able to give us some coffee and also just some time to set up the laptop. So we had like two hours, kind of looked through the guy, you know, everybody, and men and women, it was like, okay, these are who everybody is, came up with some, you know, ideas in terms of like what we could do for their intro. And it just so happened that in that short window, I searched up Phil Wang. And so it turns out there's, well, definitely there's one or two, but there's two pretty prominent ones, right? There's one from Wong Fu Productions that's like very, very popular on YouTube. Millions of people follow this person. But the first hit that I got, especially on Instagram, was this Phil Wang, who was like a British Malay uh comedian um and i was like oh comedian famous person that's got to be the guy didn't even think twice about it just click the link and i was like okay all right this guy's a comedian the thing is i think the comedian phil wang's like comedy special was called philly philly wang wang and i i I clicked in a couple of the links um and they were all essentially just like you know wang jokes essentially you know what i mean like it's it was like grady dick got drafted to the raptors as well grady wang (laughs) yeah exactly we got got grady wang essentially so i'm like okay i got it so i got you know i made made this whole intro i'm like you know essentially something i made like a like a wang joke in the intro but of course it's not him and the other guy i don't think does wang jokes like that so yeah it was unfortunate so when you see phil wang just apologize to him for me okay please no, uh, i'll, I'll please issue ex- an apology as well you know yeah. it was an it was an honest mistake will, will it, it was I... it was a blackout it was yeah. it's a bad leg all, all that kind of stuff happened no but, no will and yeah. i locked in that day and, and really tried our best to to do our prep and i know johnson's helping me with the prep for the player intros um you know clement i don't know if you know but i'm obsessed with when uh when common the rapper did um did like rap intros for all the all-stars a couple that was of years all-star ago. chicago 2020 in chicago so um i haven't you know i'm gonna dive deeper do my prep next couple of days for the player intros this year but they might all be getting a common rap intro this year so nice see what happens mm. how are you gonna what rhymes with emotional damage uh don't worry about it <laughs> <laughs> that's why leave it to the pros clan right. yeah, yeah, yeah that's why that's all why right, you, that's I might, why i might have him. to change gears now now that you brought that one up oh. all right all right clem so to wrap up the podcast so typically what we me and alice have been doing we've been doing these like super long shows um where at the end of it we play something called the basketball reference game okay oh. this is this is something that alex invented and what he does is i he... invented with my friends way back way back in high school yes and what will is saying way is back like... in high school man that's <laughs> yeah. reference is available uh, this guy's uh, looking at baseball perspectives <laughs> like on on the magazines and but, stuff. but what we do is we tell you a player uh when he was drafted by mm-hmm. who what round etc and then we walk you through his career so like oh he played his first three years like 98 2001 in boston then went to denver went to charlotte and then you have to guess who this player is. And along the way, you can also ask for hints. So yeah. common hints is like the position per- of the player. Yeah. Um, sometimes we have like odd hints that we could give you. Like ethnicity. Yeah, yeah we also sometimes. have a race card that we play. So okay. you can ask. You have one race card per game that you can play. So basically, uh, that's that's kind of the game. Yeah. Are you going to be an Asian guy? No, no, no. That's too easy. Come, no, come that's on, way man. too obvious. Who do you think are? He was drafted first overall by the Houston Rockets. I'd be like, he was unveiled in Toronto. 
at Pacific Mall. Oh no, man. <laughs> Joe Chiefs? Joe Chiefs? So how many how many players do you have for a Clem? Well, just one? We got we got we no, we we, we let, okay, let's let's take it slow. We we got we got two and maybe let's we'll go up to three. Take it slow. Okay, is there a theme? Is there a theme? The theme, obviously there's a theme. All right, yeah. Clem. I know cuz you are you a diehard um, you know, Raptor guy from from way back in the day. These are all players who appeared on the 1995-1996 inaugural Toronto Raptors season. All right, this is gonna be too easy. So you for you you know, you know you know all these guys, but you got to guess who it is. I think that's that's basically the thing. All right, we'll we'll start with the first one. I think this one's probably the easiest for me. This player was drafted 17th overall in the 1992 NBA draft. All right. Yeah, this is the reaction every time everyone hears this game. They're like, why are they doing this again? <laughs> All right. Um, so it'd be someone who is relatively young. He's going to give you the rest, though. Hold on. He's going to oh, give you the okay. rest. No, of no, no, no. You, you can right. guess at any point, though. Don't worry. Trust me. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. We've had go, times go. where Alex has just said who, which draft, which which team, and I've just blurted out Chase Budinger, and it'll it'll just work. You know what I mean? So All right. All right. anyway, yeah. 92 to 94, two seasons, started a career with the Lakers. Oh, Okay. Oh, okay. Doug. Oh, there we go. See, I knew he'd be good at this game. Yeah, Doug Christie. That's correct. I was gonna say this is level one. This is level one. I feel. I feel like. Yeah, yeah you're gonna be good he's, at this he's, game. He's man. gonna get all these. Man. You're gonna be good at this game. All right. All right well, we'll move on to level two. All right. This player also drafted in the two thousand or uh, the 1992 NBA draft, twenty um, second overall pick to the Phoenix Suns. Ollie. Oh my god! What? I, here's the funny thing: we have I have stories about all these guys. Like I remember oh, when Doug Doug was running out of the practice facility to get in his SUV with his wife. Uh-huh. I remember Oliver Miller was inhaling Ruth's Chris Steakhouse steaks Clem, like Clem literally like started CCY like that same year and was working with the team. Oh, this was this was the wrong theme for Clem. No, this might have been the right theme because I feel, no oh, Clem's man. gonna get all of these easy. Okay, hold on. Maybe we'll see how many we can knock out because that's all crazy. Right. This guy got Olo Miller just off of the draft pick alone. Man, well, Phoenix. He, yeah. I mean, he's a rookie with Charles, and Charles were working with him to try and lose the weight. Right, 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 right. Damn. No, shouts to Charles Barkley, a good vet, because he always tells that story about how Moses Malone, when he yeah. was a rookie in Philadelphia, was like, "Yo, you got to get in shape. You'll be much better." So, um, and now he's even offering to do that with Zion, which is kind of sick. Okay, next one. This player was drafted 51st overall in the 1991 NBA draft. All right. Okay. All right. By the Houston Rockets. Oh. Um, Houston. Would that be Zonta back? Oh my, yo, he's too good at this, man. Bro, I feel he's like too, you, bro, I could get this. all of these too, man. Oh, I feel like you wrote a whole like, book on this. What do you no, mean? Of course you could get this. I don't think this. you understand Clem was like in his prime working with the Raptors. Oh my goodness. This was, this was poor preparation in terms of theme, man. No, and so Zon, I, I looked into because he was the first Raptor to visit CCYA. Oh, he wow. showed up on the wrong day of our basketball camp. So he was supposed to come to a tournament. He came to our kitty camp, which was all 10 and under. So nobody knew who he was. And he walked in the gym at A.Y. Jackson. He goes, we're all the little kids. And we're like, this is the wrong camp. Uh, but it's cool that you're here. And so we actually wanted, we were preparing a Chinese version of his name. So his name is Zon Tabak. And yeah. what we came up with was Zon, we changed to San, like in Cantonese, that yeah. means mountain. Yeah. And 
chop back da bop, so big white. Yeah. So we just changed his name to Big White Mountain. Oh man. And that was his Chinese name that we gave to him. That's so funny because there's like a fairly prominent Canadian white Canadian man who is like a content creator in, in Asia in China for a long time called Dashan. And it's basically the same name. So I, I <laughs> yeah. That's wow. Okay, this is this is this was too easy. Alex, you're sitting there disappointed, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> No, no, it's all good. I'm man. really impressed, though, man. No, <laughs> As someone good. who's not from this era, I'm really impressed. All right, last one. I'm going to try to make it a little, a little harder. Still the same theme. Still guys who were on the inaugural team, who you're apparently first name basis with. So <laughs> this guy was the first overall pick in the 1985 NBA draft. Man, we're going backwards. Did you say when was he drafted? 1985, 10th overall pick. Oh, I know this one. Clemmy oh, knows. All right, all right. Of the Phoenix Suns, 85, 86 oh, of the Phoenix season. Suns. Yeah. Oh, Two seasons of Phoenix, 85 and 86. 87 goes to Sacramento. 88 is in Sacramento. 89 is in Boston for six seasons from Ed, 80. Ed, oh, right? man. Yeah, yeah Ed picked I me. love how he's just, the flexes, he's just throwing the first names at you. because <laughs> no, Ed Ed Pickney, I remember him being Celtics. Like that was yeah. that was why. Yeah. Damn, bro, this is too. So this is too easy for you. It's too easy for you. I no, I, I I was worried you were gonna throw out someone like Solomon Alibi or like oh man like Reggie Slit. Like those guys are a little. I'm a little shaky on. We Damn. should have played the IMDb game with Asian actors with Clemen. That's the variation. <laughs> we go on IMDb, tell you like five roles. We've never tried it yet. We wanted to do it with Jackie Chan because he's just a cop or an inspector for nine movies in a row. Bro. That would be hard. He really was, yeah. Well, that would be the dead giveaway. He was in the LAPD from two, from 1998 <laughs> to 2004. <laughs> then went to be a detective. Um, okay, this is the last one also. But I feel, I don't even know. I've never even heard of this guy. I read Alex's book or the manuscript and I still don't I think I know much about this guy. This guy has a black and white photo on black uh, on basketball reference. Okay. I've never seen that before, unless it's like, you know, I'm looking up, uh, I don't even know, Bob Cousy or something. Um, 1981 draft, 14th overall by the Indiana Pacers. All right. Alex, do you know who this is? Yeah, I probably do, but we'll leave it to Clint. Okay, okay. All right. 14th overall pick, 1981. Starts his career in Indiana, plays there from 1981 to 1988. So eight seasons in Indiana. Then goes to Dallas, nineteen eighty-eight. Herb. What the hell, man? Because <laughs> I know her from Dallas. <laughs> oh my goodness! No, okay, all right. I, I'm tapped out. That's that's. This man played man. one game with the Raptors. That's why I thought it'd be a trick question, man. How did you know? <laughs> he played one game on that on that inaugural season. He oh, literally man. has just a one. Wow. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just straight flexing, man. He's like, yo, that was fun, guys. This guy just said Herb. I'm like, Herb who? No, it's while he was just flexing with just the first names. Herb People who, listening man. still don't know who these players are because Clem only said first names. I don't Clem's know who these like, guys yeah, are, Doug. man. <laughs> but, but who? Smith? You talking about Doug, Doug Smith? He yo, started his career We should the do Toronto, Toronto Media. <laughs> <laughs> Toronto Media game would be crazy. <laughs> But oh. I will say that as a result of your live event, I got to meet one of my my heroes as a kid. Jimmy King. Jimmy, Jimmy yeah. King. I oh, was wow. a, a Fab Five 
diehard. And I remember that I was standing next to him the whole night. We we're at the venue, but I was actually strangely I was shy to really? say anything to him because I like I don't want to fan out, and I'm sure he hears this all the time, whatever. And Elaine Kwan messaged me. He's like, "Have you met Jimmy yet?" I'm like, "Yeah, yeah, he's beside me." And she goes, "Oh, go say hi." I'm like, "No, nah, I'm good." And then she comes over, Jimmy, Clement, Clement, Jimmy. I'm like, oh man, now I need to do the, oh, I'm a yeah, big fan. And I right. am a big fan, but it just, it's just always a bit awkward, right? But yeah, in, in contrast at the same event, you know, <laughs> Jimmy came pre-event to, to like our upstairs green room where Ooh. we're hanging out. Cause you know, Hongsheng was providing some food mm-hmm. and Elaine of course made the intro and, and Will had no idea who he was. So he was literally just like, yeah, hey, what's up, man? <laughs> like he's like grab some food have some food on us please and Will's yeah. like who is this I'm like this is a member of the Fab Five man oh yeah I'm sorry Jimmy I'm sorry he was a nice dude though he was a really nice dude kind of a big head actually you know I, I clocked that immediately I was like oh <laughs> another big head brother let's go <laughs> he's had a crazy career like for a guy who was athletic as he was that had mm. the skills on such a louder team like there's two it sticks out of my man. Anderson Hunt from UNLV and Jimmy what? King. I just felt like they never got a fair shake in the league. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, Jimmy, I don't know if you guys heard this story, but he was out of the league and he, he there was some three-on-three tournament in Denver where if you entered it with your buddies and if you win the three-on-three tournament, you get an invite to like, as if like it's the 905 trial oh. or something like that. So Jimmy entered the damn tournament and got into camp because he won this three-on-three tournament in Denver wow. or something like that. But Yeah, that's wild, man. I never heard that before either. But that guy that guy was a real athlete. Like, if you look at the McDonald's All-American game, he was there with Chris Webber, Jawan Howard. He's flying all over the court. Like, he, wow. was, he was really good. Damn. No, I got I to gotta, I gotta learn more basketball. This is my takeaway from all this. You know, <laughs> nah, it's just, takeaway, it's, just, it's just different Bro, Clem had man. everybody on the first name basis after like one team. And sometimes this is like just if after the draft. Tested, this is like if someone tested you on like the 20, like, I don't know, 15, 16 Raptors. Yeah. Well, yeah, like, I don't know who's on the bench right now, to be honest with you. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't think half the fans know either, so. Uh, that's fine, man. Started his career with the Charlotte Hornets as second round pick. Oh, then went to Philadelphia for a year. And now he's in Toronto. Jalen. McDaniels. Anyway, all right. Clement Chu, appreciate you. Everybody go get tickets to CCYA Celebrity Classic happening this weekend. Um, you know, taking all the, f- uh, the festivities, honestly. Like, it's going to be really fun. Get to see lots of people um, in just the basketball community in general, in the Asian community in general here in Toronto. It's a huge crossover, as you can imagine. It's a great celebration, food, music. Um, you know, you guys got the screening. You guys got the game itself. You guys got kids. Um, and yeah, I, I just know it's going to be like a great show. It's going to be a great time. You're going to have, um, I don't know. It's just going to be, it's going to be guaranteed like a really, really good time. So get to see Alex Wong, take photos of him, go up to him and just whisper Alouette in his ear. That's, that's been our code word for wanting to take a selfie. So make sure you go up to Alex and Faisal, take some photos, but, uh, yeah. Thanks to everyone for listening. And, um, yeah, unless you guys have anything else to plug, uh, we'll, we can wrap the pod here. We'll save some gear. We'll save some gear if you will, for sure. Oh. Alex, your uniform this year is you have to go. We we have a Dell Curry jersey for you. So yeah, I saw the email. So, so yeah, I'll be, you're gonna have I'll to be rocking that. the. I'll be rocking the Dell Curry. Wow, nice. this guy's gonna look like Drake at the 2019 finals. But uh, oh exactly. my god, man! <laughs> <laughs> Would someone blow? Oh, no, okay, never mind. All right, that's a, that's the no. end of the show. No, you gotta be like, oh man. <laughs> have a good one. Have a good one, everyone. <laughs>